Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you for joining us this morning. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to get started with a little bit of music while we allow people uh, who are coming with us online to join us right now. And I see Ronnie's on. Good morning, Ronnie. Uh, we're going to play some music, uh, Jesus is Lord by the Oslo Gospel Choir. And uh, while we're playing the music, just well, feel free to grab a cup of coffee and join us right now. God bless you all. Thanks for being here this morning. We'll see how this works. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Amen. That's right. Good morning. Good morning. There you go. Thank you for joining us this morning. It's time for Sunday school. Jesus is Lord. Amen. beautiful weekend. It's a good time to get out and enjoy the weather before things get crazy. Amen. ask the question, bring them on video when you, I have no idea what that means. Oh well. Nonetheless. Amen. Jesus. Jesus is Lord. think of the Lord's goodness, you do definitely do want to search your heart and search where you are in, in your life, and you definitely will at times call yourself to, to bow down before Him. 
because he is indeed Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. was the Oslo Gospel Choir. The only thing I couldn't determine was that Oslo as in Norway or Oslo around here. So I couldn't, <laughs> but I think it's somewhere in the United States. But uh, that was Jesus is Lord. And boy, that's a great way to start out uh, for our Sunday school lesson today. It's actually as a reminder, um, one of the, the things that I'm reading right now is in the book of Daniel chapter 4. And it just so happens that's when Nebuchadnezzar uh, had to recognize that Jesus was Lord based upon the fact that uh, Daniel had given him that prophetic dream about uh, essentially what would happen with Nebuchadnezzar if he didn't change his ways and um, cut, stop sinning, uh, stay clear of uh, mistreating people, the poor especially. And Daniel gave him a warning, a prophetic warning, and a year later he wound up um, basically being insane and wandering for seven years in the wilderness, eating grass and all of that, because he was disobedient to the Lord. But that's when he recognized, after the seven years were over with, when he looked up to heaven, his sanity had returned to him, and he recognized that Jesus was indeed Lord of over all. And that he's the one that raises up and takes down kingdoms. I think that's a great reminder for today. We, we really need to make sure that Rather than focusing too much on politics, because I know that's the, that's the flavor of the day in the moment, especially when we have elections coming up right now, we really need to understand that um, Jesus is Lord over all. He is not, uh, anything that's going on right now, he is certainly aware of it. He is, uh, certainly knows all about it. And we need to be prayerful and just focus on the Lord, frankly, accomplishing his will and purpose for all the things that are taking place today. Man cannot do anything without God allowing it. And I think we have to understand that sometimes he allows a lot of things to take place in our lives to, if for no other reason, to draw us back to him and focus on him in prayer. We tend to have a tendency to make other people, other things are gods and not God himself. That is where we have to always come back to and that is where we always want to camp ourselves. And so I think at the end of the day, we need to just bow down and say Jesus is Lord. Amen? He is Lord. He is Lord over all, and He is in control of everything that's happening. And I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how good it is. Whatever it is, He is totally in control. Okay, so let's do some announcements real quick. First of all, we um, Pastor Gus's message that uh, he had uh, was trying to upload, was he had some difficulty with that. So we're going to try that a little bit later on and see if we can get that done today and and also try some alternative ways so that he won't have any issues with uh, uploads and stuff like that. We have an idea that we just thought about this morning, and we'll see if it works. Uh, I think it's a good idea, actually. But um, in the meantime, if you're coming to church today, come and see the message. Amen? <laughs> that would be the way to take care of that uh, for those of you in Akron. Uh, but um, Pastor Gus's matches are always uh, worthy of paying attention to and, and coming back to and even going back to and from uh, previous teachings and listening to what he has to say. Uh, that's what's really important here. But we'll work through that and we'll get through that and uh, we'll see what we can accomplish uh, in the coming uh, hours as we go through this. 
Please remember your tithes and offerings for those of you online. We, we appreciate your contributions to church. We couldn't do what we do right now as far as running in the operation of the church without those tithes and offerings. We appreciate you contributing those. If you're mailing them, please mail them to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And for those of you coming to church today, of course, we have the uh, drop box in the lobby area as you're coming into church. That's where you would deposit your tithes and offerings. We don't pass around a collection plate. Uh, that's something we haven't done for a couple years, and we're probably going to keep doing it the way we're doing it right now. So, But we appreciate you remembering that, praying over it, and making those contributions accordingly. And with that in mind, we are going to go ahead and get started with Sunday School. Amen? We have an audience here in church, and we appreciate you being here. And they are just a great group of people. I've been involved with this church for 32 years. And I can't even believe I'm saying 32 years because I don't look a day over 33 myself. So I don't understand it myself, but that's how it goes. But uh, 32 years of being, <laughs> being involved with church. And uh, I've known a lot of you for a long time. I, uh, I've, in fact, you know, for what it's worth, I've known a lot of you longer than I've had friends. I mean, it's just one of those things. So, um, and we appreciate you being here this morning and for your loyalty and support. So let's get to the word. We're going to be in the book of John chapter 4. We're going to cover verses 27 through 45. And it... it it seems like it's a lot of material, but it really isn't. It's not that long or not that much. Um, Brother Greg, good morning. I see you're online. Thanks for being here. Brother Larry, um, I'm going to trust this Larry. Brother Larry, good morning. Thanks for being here this morning. We appreciate you jumping on with us. John chapter 4, verses 27 through 45. We have here, um, I guess we're continuing in the development of the first days of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And in this particular section of the, of the lesson, Jesus is going to talk about this spiritual harvest. Spiritual harvest. And if we were to compare what Jesus says in this particular passage with uh, our lives today, we're going to know that we are in a spiritual harvest right now. There are opportunities for every believer to have communication and conversation with other people who are uncertain about or don't know about the Lord, and we can indeed uh, participate in the spiritual harvest. We just have to be ready and willing to do so. And I think that's the important thing here. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we just thank you for being here this morning. Father, we are just so thankful that you have set aside time for us now to have Sunday school. Lord, we, we don't take it for granted. A lot of churches don't even have Sunday school, and they don't have the time set aside to really dig into your word, um, not just personally, but uh, as a group, as a fellowship. And Lord, may we always continue to regard your word as the most important thing that we can get into, especially when we come into church and especially for where we're sitting right now, for those of us who are online right now. We pray, Lord, that you bless us and keep us as we trust in your word, hear you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 4. Let's look at verse 27. We're going to read down through verse 45. And this is going to be, again, about... It's almost like a part two uh, of what we talked about last week in the first part of, of John chapter 4 with Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman. And you'll notice that she's going to be kind of in the background here. It's kind of the continuation of that because... Um, Pretty much as soon as Jesus said in verse 26 that I am the Messiah, um, you know, that's where the conversation ends and the Samaritan woman kind of takes off. And so we're going to read that and actually see that in this first few passages here. And we're going to read down to verse 45. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Please follow along in your version. Starting at verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? Now, you've got to understand something. Now, this is the, the Holy Spirit giving inspiration. They were thinking it, but they didn't say it out loud. So it's interesting how the Spirit is actually telling you what they were thinking, but they never said it out loud to Jesus. 
Let's go to verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. Verse 29, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Verse 30, so the people came streaming from the village to see him. Verse 31, meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Verse 32, but Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Verse 35, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. People brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work and now you will get to gather the harvest. Verse 39, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. At the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee he himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. Okay, that's verses 27 through 45 in John chapter 4. And you'll notice there's a lot of activity that's taking place here in this particular passage. Things happening uh, behind the scenes, things happening... They were referenced in Scripture, but we need to see all of these things that are working together. And believe me as I sit here and tell you this, the Holy Spirit is moving all throughout within this area. With the Samaritan woman, with the, in Galilee and Galilee, with the Galileans who witnessed what Jesus was doing, the Spirit is the one who is getting people saved. Let me be very clear about this, and I, I, I know that I think for this group here, present company excluded, let's just use that. I don't think anybody here thinks that they have the power to save anybody. I think everybody here knows that Jesus is the one who has to do the saving through the power of the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is one who's moving and active and he's teaching the disciples all about this and all about what nourishment truly is. It's not about the physical things that we're talking about. You know, we all have to eat. We all have to drink water. We all have to have a certain amount of nourishment. But the nourishment he's referring to is the nourishment coming from the Holy Spirit. The nourishment coming from doing the will of God. And that's what we have to recognize here. We all have to make sure that we're always in tune with what God's will is. And that's a challenge at times. Because at times we, 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 we need to be pray, in prayer every day and praying about what is God's will for me at, at this particular time. And, and honestly, that's going to be a challenge for us for the rest of our lives. We have to, in living in Satan's domain as we do, in living in the flesh as we do, it's always going to be a challenge for us to make sure that we are focused on God's will. And so God's will means what? Dying to self and living for Christ. Dying to the flesh, putting the flesh to death, living for Jesus Christ no matter what we're doing. Okay, let's go back through the passage as we normally do. And here's the thing, and some of this, uh, I, I actually spent the time in looking at uh, a commentary uh, from F.B. Meyer in looking at this particular passage because I think it's important for us to see the overview uh, within the first set of verses that we're looking at all the way down through verse 38. F.B. Meyer talks about how we indeed have to have Jesus through the power of the Spirit, open up the living spring within our hearts. Jesus, when we talk about this washing of water, 
the cleansing of water, which we have discussed before, we have to make sure that we are indeed doing the will of the Lord and that doing the will of the Lord is doing what? Sharing the gospel with others. Sharing the peace of Christ with other people. We have to find those opportunities or put ourselves in place in those opportunities because of our salvation that we are indeed doing the will, doing the will of the Lord as we move about. Saying kind words to people. Having good conversation with individuals. Being ready to encourage others who need encouragement. Has there been anybody in your life that you've had to encourage at some point because they were down in the dumps or something was going on in their life, they're going through pain, they're going through suffering, they're going through misery? Have you not run into individuals like that that you had to encourage them? And when we recognize who Jesus Christ is and recognize that we indeed are woeful in our behavior and sin, just like we were having the conversation earlier here about when we recognize who Jesus being as Lord and Savior of our lives, we need to turn away from that sin, don't we? That wellspring of water in our lives helps us to be cleansed when we indeed recognize Jesus as Lord. And that's where we need to be. And Jesus in this passage is trying to give the disciples the mindset of recognizing that true nourishment or quenching thirst has nothing to do with the food and water that you eat or drink. It has to do with the relationship that they have with the Lord. So, Jesus Christ has to be the one to change our hearts and minds and he does it when we readily allow him to do so. The Spirit has to be has to overpower, frankly, our fleshliness and help us to do that. Now, when the disciples approached, as we mentioned up in verse 27, they were, they were astonished because they were wondering what was, why was Jesus even talking to her? And if you remember, we talked about this culturally. There was a cultural issue that recognizing where they were in a foreign land Jews just did not associate with Samaritans. And even more than that, Jews didn't associate with Samaritan women. And here Jesus is taking the time to talk to her. But Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. Jesus knew that this Samaritan woman was ready to hear the truth. And we recognize that there are going to be times when we are praying about, should we speak to so-and-so? Should we talk to so-and-so? The Spirit needs to give us guidance on that. Amen? You've heard the old saying, and I don't drink, so don't even associate this with me, that there shall be no wine served before its time. Who said that? That was one of the, one of the famous winemakers. I don't know if it was Gallo. I don't really remember who it was. But, but notice that there is something to be said about that when it comes to sharing the gospel. When the time is right, the Spirit will tell you. The Spirit will let you know when the time is right. Jesus, waiting at the well, knew that woman was going to appear, knew that woman was going to come to draw water, and knew that woman was ready to hear truth. Even though, remember what happened last week, we talked about this, even though she was at first trying to deflect, trying to keep him off balance. Yeah, you can't pin me down. You're not going to get me. But yet here he is. He did that very thing. And so the disciples were wondering why they were talking to her, but they were silent because of what? The awe of God was upon them. He recognized, they recognized God's presence and by the fact that they were speaking to this woman. And, of course, they still kept, you know, kept in mind that he was the one who was in charge. He was the one that was there. They were following him. But they needed to know that at the end of the day, the Samaritan woman, Jesus himself, they were being obedient to God's will. That is what we need to take away here as well, too. We need to stay obedient to God's will. The moment you think that you know better than God, you're in trouble. Amen? You're, you, you have to go back and look at what God's will is for your life. You may feel a certain way. You may feel entitled to act a certain way, do certain things in your life, live a certain way, but at the end of the day, if you are not being obedient to God's will, you are in trouble. You're already in trouble. 
And Nebuchadnezzar learned that. As we talked about in Daniel chapter 4, he had to learn the same thing. He had a huge issue with pride. And he had a huge issue with being disobedient to God. And he had a huge issue with being obedient to God and his will. And that's why Nebuchadnezzar walked into what he walked into willingly because he chose to go the different direction. May you never choose to go against God's will. May you never willingly or knowingly do that. May you always humble yourself before the Lord. What does it say, the word say? Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. He will exalt you in due time. Amen. That's correct. Thank you for adding that. You're right. So, it was a harvest time. The whiteness of the harvest was appearing in the crowds that were coming down into the valley. We'll talk about that a little bit more as we go along. And sometimes we need to remember that if the time is right, be ready to speak. Be ready to speak. Now, my wife and I had a conversation yesterday, and and I won't get into why we had the conversation, but at the end of the day, there are people who will come in the midst of a church. They'll come in out of curiosity. They'll come in to try to learn more. Well, the tendency for us as believers sometimes is to just dive on people and try to get them to do some things, maybe in addition to what they had planned to do. I'm going to tell you to pull back on the reins a little bit because the Spirit has to speak to every individual who comes in our midst about what's appropriate, what's right, and what they should be doing with their life. Let the Spirit take care of that. We can certainly be inviting, we can be welcoming, we can give hugs, we can say this is a great place for you to come and worship, and we've done that without fail as a church. We are one of the best churches ever when it comes to welcoming people. But let's be cautious about diving in on folks because they've got to figure out what they're doing in our midst in the first place. A lot of them are coming in and trying to figure out what's happening. And at the same time, I'm trying to, not trying to contradict myself about the harvest time because we know that there is a harvest to be done, but we need to do it according to the Lord's timing. When they're ready, when they're receptive, when they will accept the message, the Samaritan woman was ultimately ready, but only Jesus knew that. Only Jesus was going to be speaking to this woman. The other disciples would not do it because of cultural reasons. But let's keep that in mind as we go. So let's go back. Back to verse, we're going to drop all the way down to verse 34 in John chapter 4. Because we already got to the past uh, part about, I have a kind of food you don't know anything about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? So verse 34 said, Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. That was Jesus' mission. He basically gave you in one sentence what his mission was. Doing the will of God who sent him and from finishing his work. And spiritual nourishment, this nourishment for us, is doing God's will. Plain and simple. You were created with a reason and a purpose. You're here in this time because God set you in this place and time. This is not the Middle Ages. It's not where we've lived past and through the 60s, all the turmoil that took place then. We're here in this place and time now, 40 years later, 50 years later. My goodness, I've got to think about the timing here. The 60s, the time of the 60s was over 50 years ago. And here we are. And God has been good. But we're here in a time like this, in a place like this, to do God's will today and make sure that we are ready and available to serve Him. Spiritual nourishment comes from doing God's will, helping to bring His work of salvation to completion. Notice this is how it says helping. Helping. Because we don't save anybody. Ultimately, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, saves everyone. But we are here to help. We are, do you realize that you are honored and blessed to be able to help in this gospel? Jesus didn't need any of us. And yet he gives us the privilege 
to serve him in this capacity. For the people in your immediate families that see you, for the people that you, for those of you who are still working, I don't know how many of you are still working, but those of you are still working, and those of you online too, amen, you're there at your workplace. You're there to be a light in everywhere that you go, at the grocery store, when you go on vacation, when you travel, at those family gatherings, at those reunions. There might be all kinds of stuff going on in a family reunion. But you're still there to be a light for everybody else. And that's really important for us to see here. Doing the will of my Father. That's what Jesus is referring to. Take a look at John chapter 17, please. Just hold your finger at John 4. Drop drop over to John 17. You'll recognize that this is that great chapter where Jesus, right at the end of his ministry, is praying. And he's praying for himself. He's praying to God. He's praying for all the people who believe in him and trust in him. In verse 4, sorry, John 17, verse 4, John 17, verse 4. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. The work you gave me to do. He is reiterating exactly what he just said here in John chapter 4. He's doing the work that God gave to him. He is completing that work at that point. And if you were to add verse 5, Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Man, when you read that prayer, an eternal God is speaking. Eternal God, the eternal Jesus is speaking about that relationship that he has with the Father. He is setting out and carrying out the will of the Father. What is the Father's will? that he indeed be the sacrifice on the cross for us so that we can have eternal life with him. And that is something that's heavy duty when you read it, of course. Amen? You just kind of stop and pause. Whenever I read something that says about the eternal character of Jesus, the eternity of Jesus, it should give you pause. It should make you recognize the significance of what he did for us. Completing God's work on earth. Now let's go back to John chapter 4, verse 35. John 4, verse 35. And this is something that... Analogies work really well in explaining things to people. And you'll notice that there's a timing factor involved here. Verse 35. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. For those of you who are familiar with going by cornfields, we, we take a drive every week and we go by Zalays down in just south of Peninsula um, and they have corn. And in fact, if, uh, the word is that they have the best corn available. If you go to Giant Eagle and buy corn, their corn is pretty good. But we've actually seen the course of time where they plant the corn in the spring They plant the seeds for the corn and you see the corn rising over time and they've harvested now some of the corn and there's still some more corn to be harvested as well too. This is harvest time. And it grows up real tall and it's beautiful and and I will say very tasty because I haven't had a better ears of corn than Zalay's corn. But notice the (laughs) combination, but notice that what he's saying here about four months between planting and harvest. Now Jesus is saying, because the disciples all know about planting and, and, and reaping and sowing, right? But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. That's right. That means we need to pay attention. Ripe for harvest. Are we talking about corn? No. Are we talking about wheat? No. We're talking about people. People. People who are ready to hear about the truth of Jesus Christ. People who have ears that are willing to listen. Now, we make the distinction between those who want their ears tickled because that has more to do, frankly, with people who know the Lord, but they would much rather hear something that's more wondrous and magical and mystical, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who want to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. The harvest is 
ready. They are ripe for harvest. We need to make sure that we're not making excuses for failing to witness to people because we say that, well, my family member is not ready to believe. My friends are not ready to believe. Well, that's not for you to determine. The Spirit knows who's ready to believe and who isn't. You still speak the truth. You still tell the truth. You still talk about the truth. Now, that's not necessarily having sitting down and having prayer with them, but you still need to speak the truth. Let the Spirit take care of that. Do you realize that, and, and, and Jesus is going to say it here in this passage, so I'll get to that in a moment, but we share the truth. A person may not, not come to know Jesus Christ until many, many years later when they're ready to acknowledge who Jesus is. But you still speak the truth today. If you die and that person you've spoken to has heard the truth from you, you've done your job. And that person may learn about Jesus later on. But don't disqualify someone from you talking about Jesus because you think they're never going to listen or not ready. Our flesh has a tendency sometimes to do that. So-and-so, who in the world? We're going, to be, we're going to be very surprised when we're with our Lord later on about who makes it in, who gets in, and who doesn't get in because of all this stuff that, you know, the Spirit knows. Amen? The Spirit knows who's going to make that decision. Hey, the thief on the cross, we're going to go see the thief on the cross who acknowledged Jesus as Lord. And there was a great video out there that Pastor Alistair Begg talked about. And I had it on my timeline on Facebook and I got so many shares from that because people were looking at that and, and they were saying that it was a, like an interview with the thief on the cross who was in heaven and the, and the angels couldn't figure out why he was there. And they were making all kinds of comments talking about, uh, excuse me, are you, have you heard about the dispensation of faith and all that stuff? It's like, no, the, the cross didn't have any of that. didn't have any conversation about any of those things. He didn't... He was sinning right up until the time when he acknowledged Jesus as Lord. He was talking down about Jesus. He was mocking Jesus. But then something had to have happened between that time and before he died. And guess what had to happen? The Spirit had to speak to that thief on the cross. Where you finally hear him acknowledge, you know what? We deserve what we're being punished for, but this man did nothing wrong. And then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he spoke up, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Bamo! What in the world? Where'd that come from? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus told him, surely you're going to be with me in paradise. Baffling. Mind-boggling. And sometimes we as believers has to have to see how Jesus goes beyond what we sometimes realize. We don't stop talking about truth. We never preclude anyone from hearing about truth. We never allow those things to happen. We always want to make sure we're ready, willing, and able to speak about truth even when we think, when we think, when our flesh thinks it's a lost cause. But that's not how it works. Amen? So that's what we need to do. Let's go to verse 36. John chapter 4, verse 36. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? Let's read verse 37. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. The wages that Jesus offers to us, and we, we always equate wages, right? Money, that type of thing. But these wages are not something that are like legal tender. Okay? It's not currency. 
It's the joy of working for Him. It's the joy of seeing the harvest of believers. How much joy is there when we recognize and acknowledge that Jesus indeed, you see someone come to salvation? How much joy is there in that? When we see a person acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Well, it should be the same as angels in heaven proclaiming the goodness of Jesus. It should be the same way. We should have be very appreciative of what happens. The wages come to planter and harvester alike because both find joy in seeing new believers come into Christ's kingdom. The phrase, others had already done the work, may refer to the Old Testament prophets and it may refer to John the Baptist who paved the way for the good news. What was John the Baptist doing all this time? People had to acknowledge what? They were in sin. They had to repent. They want to be baptized because they knew they weren't following the Lord. Many are doing the work and the harvest is still waiting for those others who have not yet acknowledged Jesus. And the Spirit guides and leads as to who those people are who recognize Him. So that's what he's referring to, I believe, in verse 38 as well, too. Others had done the work. Old Testament prophets. A lot of people knew what the God's Word was. A lot of them were very knowledgeable of it. But we need to see that for sure. Now, let's go down to verse 39 to just keep moving along here because this is important for us to see. Verse 39. Meanwhile, after the woman had, back in 28, she had left her, her jug at the well and ran back. So the purpose of her going to get water was immediately obliterated. Didn't, no, no longer she wanted to get water. Remember, she was going at a different time where she thought she wouldn't be discovered, right, because of her reputation. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. Amen. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And look at verse 42. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. There are many ways of coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And in some cases, he comes directly to us. Amen? He comes to us. In some cases, just as the woman at the well did, and the Lord revealed himself. said, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that you're thinking of. I'm the one that you're looking to. So, he does so in a direct manner so that we, the soul, can never afterward entertain any doubt as to the reality of the experience. In other words, remember what the Samaritan woman was guilty of. Five different relationships, never married, just kind of hanging out, going around. But Jesus knew something about her that maybe we need to see too. She was a woman of tremendous influence. She might have been very beautiful. She might have had a personality that was just captivating. We don't see that, but we can kind of infer this based upon the fact that she ran back to town and people listened to her. He told me everything I ever did. And let's face it, a total stranger coming back and telling her herself about everything she did had to have had an impact on her. And so because of her personality, she goes back and tells everybody what was going on with her. Look again at verse 42. Then they said to the woman, they, how many people? Dozens? We don't know how many. But we know that just like you draw up, throw a pebble into the water and you have a ripple effect. When that pebble hits the water, those waves move a long way out. They said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. They went to see who this man was. They wanted to hear, Who is this guy that told the truth about this woman? 
she had enough pull that they wanted to go out and see who this cat was. So she couldn't have been a repulsive person. It wasn't like, oh, get out of here. They went to see who this person was. Do you think Jesus didn't know that was going to happen? Do you think Jesus didn't know that that was going to take place? Well, I'm going to challenge you. If you think that, you need to think more about how God wants to see every person come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, whether Jew or Gentile. And that's what this is about. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. That is just mind-boggling. The Savior of the world. The report of some associate or friend, a person that they knew, those people who knew the woman, that was a convincing factor. Rather than Jesus making a personal appearance, it also needs to be pointed out, sometimes your friend will give you information to help you to recognize who Jesus is and you go and seek for yourself. That's why we need to keep speaking up. Be a friend to somebody else and talk about the truth of Jesus Christ. Talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Talk about the good news of Christ. Share with people that you know. There are people here in this room right now because they heard the truth either from Jesus himself or from someone else that know Jesus Christ personally. People in this room right now. No names. Not necessary because you know who you are. Amen? You know exactly what I'm referring to. And let's face it, all of us are in that category. Either Jesus spoke to you personally or you heard somebody else talk about Jesus and made it a check for yourself to find out. Many Samaritans believe because of the word of the woman... Why is the word of that woman so important when we know she was a conniver, she was sleeping around, she was doing all kinds of stuff? What is it about her believability? Well, guess what? Jesus had to set it up. The Spirit had to set it up that that woman had any kind of credibility at all to speak about the truth of Jesus Christ. How readily are you to listen to somebody who you know has been goofing around and sinning like crazy? Well, I'm going to challenge you. You won't listen to that person. It's a credibility issue. But yet Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, gave this woman what I would call uncanny ability to share truth. Uncanny ability. commentary says there was a light in her eyes a radiance in her face a strength and dignity in her bearing that convinced them that may be the case they saw someone different they saw something different the spirit has the power to make us look a certain way at a certain time when it's time to speak he gives us that ability to speak remember what we said the harvest is before us Even when you're not at your best, what does the Spirit do? He speaks to us. He helps us. He makes us look really good when it comes to proclaiming the gospel. All he wants us to do is what? Be real. Be a real person. Be who you are. I may not be at my best today, but I know that Jesus has carried me through day after day, moment after moment. How can a person who's dying from cancer Share God's truth. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. He's our sustainer. Jesus tarried with those Samaritans. He stayed for two days, as it says in verse 40. He stayed long enough for many more to hear the message of truth. That ripple effect was continuing. Let's go to verse 43 as we're on our we're on the home stretch here. At the end of two days Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his home hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover. At the Passover celebration had seen everything he did 
there. People saw, people came, people accepted, people learned the truth from Jesus because of his presence. He was becoming more popular. But I guarantee you, the Spirit was doing all the work in all these different places. In Samaria, in Galilee, the Spirit was working and bringing people to him. May we have that same appearance before others as we go before others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we have that same radiant look. May we have that same brightness in our eyes. May we have that same ability to share truth to others who need to hear it. We don't discount anyone, amen? We speak truth to everyone who needs to hear the truth. May that be how we stay in God's will. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you again for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your teaching. We, thankful, we are thankful, Lord, for how you show us in the different passages we're reading and even in this passage today about how important it is for us to stay in your will. Stay focused on what you would have us to be. Lord, we want to live according to your will and for your purpose. And Lord, we thank you for the speaking of the Spirit, the teaching of the Spirit as we go. Lord, bless us and keep us now. We just give you thanks for having the ability in this day and time to make sure that we are prepared for the harvest. Lord, we want to speak your truth to others and teach others about your goodness. Bless us and keep us, O Lord, and we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everybody, for joining me for another edition of Livestream Sunday School. God bless you and take care of yourselves. God bless you, Jackie. We'll see you soon. Take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time.